Welcome to Conversation Mill. My name is Rebecca Dale and I am the host of the show. I have a passion for sharing how the creation of thriving local economies benefits us all. I'm fascinated by how we come together to form our communities on a macro and micro scale and how our histories and stories when shared can not only motivate and inspire, but can facilitate understanding. As our communities, large and small, bring back a more progressive Main Street, individuals are stepping out to pursue their passions and local leaders are pushing back against corporate greed. It's time to engage these community leaders and small business owners in conversation. What are the driving forces behind their courage and success and how can we continue to build communities that embrace diversity, support the local economy, and create a healthy ecosystem for the culture at large? Join us now in conversation. On this episode, Dr. Sonia Gupta joins us to share the science behind her small business, Aloha Bright. Aloha Bright products include toothpaste, dental swipes, and floss. Dr. Gupta has spent 15 years testing and perfecting her formula, and she succeeded in her goal of making Aloha Bright zero-waste, plastic-free, vegan, fluoride-free, sulfate-free, and much more. Dr. Gupta walks us through her journey to focus on preventative care when it comes to our teeth. Having traveled the world caring for people's teeth and working with Operation Smile, she has taken her chemical engineering background combined with her real-world experience to develop a -a one-of-a-kind product. Join me as we learn some of the science of tooth care and how it is impacting our overall health. Join us now in conversation. Can you take us through your educational journey to the career you have now and tell us a little bit about how you became a dentist? I mean, educationally, I think it started in my home growing up. My parents are from India. My dad is a chemical engineer, so our whole house was chemistry. He had a chemistry lab in the house, and I was always intrigued by the Bunsen burner and the beakers and the scales and there's just so chemistry cool. everywhere. He was always inventing something new. And then my mom was more entrepreneurial. Mm. So I got her enthusiasm for starting new things and really pursuing it from her. And our home was very natural. I don't think we didn't have any medications, hardly any medications in the home. I had never taken a Tylenol before. I'd, I've still never taken a Tylenol. <laughs> so everything was like, oh, you have a stomach ache. Let me boil some herb or here's some herb from India, take that and it'll make your stomach feel better. So the concept of medications and pills, it was never part of my upbringing. Mm. So I learned about that later, more when I got to dental school, I guess, or just as I got older learning from friends. Yeah, I think just growing up with parents who were really into natural healing without, they didn't even realize how much science was behind everything they were doing with their diets, like the balanced Indian diet and how they raised us was very pure. And I don't, I think it was just their culture, their upbringing Mm -hmm. and where they grew up in India, they brushed, I just found this out recently, they brushed with a stick. They didn't even have toothbrushes. And their yeah. teeth are amazing. Yeah. Like they've, my mom's never had a cavity in her life. There's just great, healthy diets, good habits. Is it a specific 
type of stick that they're using or a specific tree? Or? Yeah. So in Africa, it's called an mswaki. So it's from an acacia tree and there's different versions of those trees, but it has natural antiseptic properties. Oh, wow. So it's really most of the cleansing action comes from brushing. Toothpaste is not really necessary. It's great. It has a place in our world, and I understand that. Yeah. But um, just that brushing motion is really what's cleansing for the teeth. Wow. And so, yeah, just we didn't grow up brushing with sticks, obviously. Right. We didn't have those trees, <laughs> but but we grew up in that simple manner. And just everything, I remember my mom would soak almonds. It's like an Indian thing to always soak almonds before you eat them. You soak them overnight. And as I grew up, and I was a chemical engineering major when I went into college, um, I understood why they did it because it releases all these enzymes, all these properties, um, the toxins that are in the almond so that when you eat it and peel it, it's more pure. Oh. And like when you chop garlic, you let it sit mm -hmm. and that's so that you chop it and it releases this enzyme called allicin that's more um, anti-inflammatory and more therapeutic. Oh, so wow. there's these little things that you do. Like I remember my uncle said, you know, we stand on our head for at least one to five minutes a day like a headstand. They call it standing on their head because yeah. that drains the lymphatic system. And we eat one clove of garlic a day, chop it up, release all the enzymes, let it sit. And they swore that it prevents cancer and all of these things and eating turmeric, um, healthy. It's powerful anti-inflammatory. So all of these things are diet, our nature. It was all science-based, yeah. but it was cultural. Right. So as I got older, I started learning more and more about that. I went to college as a declared chemical engineer. I was just I guess I was really inspired by my dad, even though he was always just off doing his own thing. He was like, don't bother me. But um, yeah, for some reason, I guess I got really interested in that. I was so bent on being a chemical engineer and learning in-depth chemistry. And I was very interested in food science also. Mm. And our professor in college, I remember he would bring in different things into class. It was like an auditorium of 500 people. He'd bring in Costco boxes of granola bars, like for all 500 with thousand students yeah. and say, look at the ingredients on the label. We're going to dissect the entire label and you're going to understand everything that's in this granola bar and you're going to know what you're eating. And wow. he did the same thing for shampoo and so many different things. And one thing that's interesting is from that class, Dr. Peterson's class, he actually has a chemical equation named after him. Um, that's where I learned about surfactants and how they're in shampoos. We wrote out all of the chemos the chemistry for uh -huh. the equation for how shampoos and soaps are made. And then I looked at toothpaste tubes. This was long before dentistry. I said, why is this stuff in toothpaste? Later, I realized I used to get canker sores as a kid, aphthous ulcers. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out why. And it turned out it was from the sulfates in the toothpaste. And I oh, tried wow. everything. I tried without the sulf or with a different version of the sulfate where um, it's coconut drive, like coke oil glutamate, mm -hmm. but it's still a mild surfactant. And when I went to dental school, I learned that it's really not necessary. You know, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's like a, it's like having soap in your mouth. It's a detergent in your mouth. So when I was faculty at UCSF and I remember we'd be seeing like oral cancer patients and patients with burning mouth syndrome. And one of the first things we'd ask them is what kind of toothpaste are you using? Mm -hmm. Are there any kind of surfactants in it? Coconut derived natural or not natural, um, coconut derived or sodium lauryl sulfate SLS you've probably heard of. Mm -hmm. Um, and we all, oftentimes we tell them, get off all your toothpaste, brush with water or baking soda and let's figure out like process of elimination. Right. So I thought, well, geez, if we're telling these patients, 
if we're telling patients to stop using toothpaste, why are we using toothpaste with all these chemicals in it? Back to being at Berkeley with, um, with all these, these prof- my professor and everything that had a strong influence on me. Yeah. Just working in chemistry labs and everything and seeing all of that, I just got really excited about chemistry. So how I got into dental school, it actually started in, I think, the first or second year of college. I was still a chemical engineering, and a friend showed me a flyer for Operation Smile. And there oh, were these kids with sure. cleft lips and palettes. Yeah. And it was just this huge dream, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do that one day. Yeah. I want to learn how to help these kids. And it was just like this dead set dream that I had. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to go to dental school to make that a reality. Yeah. Wow. So um, after I went to college as chemical engineering, after college, I went on a mission with Operation Smile, helped all these surgeons with their cleft lips and palates, saw the kids pre-op, post-op. Um, it was just so rewarding. Saw that they used just sticks again to clean their teeth. They're very natural based um, yeah. hygiene habits. And I just... Yeah, from that point on, I said, I'm going to go to dental school. But I never wanted to be a dentist. I just wanted to go on missions <laughs> with like Operation Smile and do like cleft lips and palates. I really never even understood too much about dentistry at that point when I made the decision. Yeah. I just wanted to be able to go on missions. So then, yeah, leading up to dental school, I was working in chemistry labs, just understanding all of these things that we use in our mouth. I worked in fluoride labs. I worked in so many different labs, just understanding and um I got into dental school. I was working at a pediatric dental clinic, I remember, and met one of the doctors there. And she said, UCSF is a great school. They're the most academic. They're the most um, preventative-based, very prevention-based. And it's in California. So, yeah, so I ended up starting dental school. During my, I think as our second or third year, we wrote a grant to work in Kenya to do like oral health education and do a study. And it was so fascinating because um, we got our grant and my friend and I, my best friend from dental school, we went to Kenya and we wanted to understand what their habits are, what their diets are. We did a DMFT analysis. It's decayed, missing filled teeth to understand um, what their cavity rates are. And it was so low. I mean, mm. their diet is so clean. Right. They didn't, the villages that we went to had very little access to refined sugars and Coca-Cola and all of that kind of stuff. Sure. So almost no cavities. There were some, of course, but um, very low compared to the U.S. And they went to one village where Coca-Cola had reached that village, and they had significantly higher DMFT ratios, decayed right. missing filling teeth, just lots more cavities. Mm-hmm. And so you realize it's so, oral health is so diet-based, like um, toothpaste and brushing and all this stuff is an adjunct that helps. But it starts with your diet, what you put inside your body, what's absorbed into your body. That's where it all starts. So, And those um, villages where their teeth health was better, they were still eating like fruits that had natural sugars, but it was really the refined sugars. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like ev- they made everything fresh because they didn't have a bakery nearby. Right. You know, there was no place to buy bread. They used to make all their own tortillas and everything. Yeah. And the food was delicious. Yeah. But um, yeah, so they didn't have access to all these things like toothbrushes. And then we kept going on missions. Like I decided when I go to dental school, I realized after I got into dental school, that's a very profitable industry. Mm -hmm. And I saw what people were going to dental school for to start businesses. I never wanted to be a business owner. I just wanted to go on medical missions. So I promised myself, okay, 
once I get into this profession, if I become like these people where I'm just working like crazy, running businesses and everything, I have to go on one mission per year. I promise myself every year I'd go on a mission, see how things are done in rural villages where limited access to water, electricity, all of that stuff. See just real life and, um, and work with surgeons doing cleft lips and palates. So that's what I did. I just kept going on missions every year. We went to Burma, Africa, Peru, Ecuador, India. I worked at a cancer, Tata Cancer Hospital in India. Just saw so sad, the saddest cases of oral cancer. That was kind of my mission. And then um, I started working alongside a plastic surgeon, um, doing the cleft lips and palates with him, which was just my dream come true. And then the pandemic happened. So uh-huh. that kind of put a stop on the missions for a little bit now. These places that you were going to do the um, cleft lips and palates, what contributes to higher rates of cases of those in these places that you're going to? Or is it just not higher rates, but they just don't have the facilities to take care of it at birth? Or is it right. higher rates? That's a really good question. So I think it's a little bit unknown, but okay. definitely there's like teratogenic like factors during pregnancy, possibly malnutrition, but it's a little bit of a question mark. But you do see, from my understanding, you do see a higher incidence in the remote areas. Okay. It's more prevalent. You know, we saw kids with syndactyly, their fingers were fused together, all of these things. Like why, why do we see these anomalies? Right. It's sometimes we can figure it out and sometimes we just can't. So I think it's really, whenever you have genetic um, abnormalities, it's hard to pinpoint the reason. Um, I'm not a geneticist, but I think a lot of that area is still being researched to try to figure out what's causing it. But good health, good diet, good nutrition, all of that, I think definitely helps prevent those kinds of things from happening. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you did your residency at a VA hospital. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience doing that as well? After dental school, so going into dental school, I loved pediatric dentistry, like all this cleft lips, just kids in general. I thought I would, all my friends thought be a pediatric dentist. But when I got into school, I loved surgery because, you know, it's kind of started with my cleft lip and palate yeah. um, passion. So I ended up doing a hospital-based residency at the San Francisco VA Hospital um, because very it was very surgical-based. Mm-hmm. So we're treating the vets who are absolutely phenomenal and amazing. And the greatest part was that if they were service connected, we got to do whatever they needed. If they had unlimited treatment options. So they needed a full mouth of implants or if they had major trauma, we saw very complicated cases um, such as temporomandibular joint. You think of the TMJ. Um, When we would replace the joint, it was similar to like the knee joint. You know, when you have to do um, an artificial metal knee, the same thing happens actually in your temporomandibular joint. So learning about that and doing those surgeries with the surgeons and also like some of the vets would have um, gunshot wounds Mm -hmm. that we would have to repair after the fact. So it wasn't as much like an acute care hospital as more chronic issues that we were dealing with. It was, yeah, it was very intense to see what the results of, what they've done for our country Mm -hmm. and um, also very rewarding to be able to help them have a better quality of life. We did some emergency room work, but I would say most of it was very long cases in the OR and the operating room. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'd be in there like 12 hours straight just doing like a temporomandibular joint case. Replacing that joint was a very long procedure. Mm -hmm. So my work has changed quite a bit since those days. Um, I didn't end up going into oral surgery 
but I really like having that background and knowledge in surgery. So it helps me understand what I do in dentistry. Yeah. But it did pave the way for me to become a hospital-based dentist. So when I was done with residency, I wasn't sure what to do. But I just knew I was very cold in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I, wanted to, I dreamt of living on an island. Mm-hmm. And a friend that I rode crew with at college, her mom was living in Hawaii. And she said, call my mom. I said, I'm not going to call your mom. So her mom called me and said, hey, we need a hospital-based dentist out here because all the kids have to fly to Oahu. Sure. And this was like 15 years ago. I don't, there weren't that many pediatric dentists yet. I think I might've been the only female dentist on the island. Wow. Maybe there were a couple of us. It was, what, over 15 years ago. So we started a hospital-based program. I work with Dr. Inoue. She's a gynecologist and her husband's a pediatrician. So he would see all these kids with special needs that weren't able to sit still in a dental chair. So we would sedate them in the hospital. So while they're sleeping, we could just fix all their teeth in one day. So it was like one dental visit and everything was done and they were sleeping and they'd wake up and everything was done. So I saw like elderly, for example, patients post-stroke, if they Mm -hmm. can't be cooperative in a dental chair. We'd see them in the hospital and sedate them. And so it was so rewarding and fulfilling just working with that population, like the patients at Halimaha'olu in the old folks' home Mm -hmm. and um, the retirement communities and the kids with all of these kind of genetic issues and the special needs patients. And then when I had my baby, things kind of shifted again. I still am staff at the hospital and... Um, I'm not taking, I used to sometimes cover call for the ER and everything, but I'm not doing that as much anymore, but I try to help, you know, if all the doctors need help or need dental consults, I try to be available. But when my baby was born, that's kind of where all of this Aloha Bright stuff started. I had been making my own toothpaste for years because like I said, I got those canker sores and I couldn't use anything on the market. I had to use my own concoction. Yeah. And I remember some of my friends would ask for jars of whatever I was making. So I'd make it for my friends. And one girlfriend of mine, she's like, Sonia, you need to do this for real and like start selling it. I said, who's going to buy a jar of toothpaste? Like, that's so weird. Like, why would anyone? She goes, I love your toothpaste. I said, but you're, you're a little bit atypical like me. So I don't know if anybody else would appreciate this. So when my little one was born, I was intent on using something very clean in his mouth. I only wanted to use clean products. I didn't want to use anything with harsh chemicals, not a lot of like additives, what I call bad additives. I just want everything clean from toilet paper to soaps, um, toothpaste, everything. Yeah. So I started looking into wipes for his teeth. And I remember this, some of the brands that we had heard of when we were in school and I just started researching all the ingredients. And first of all, they were single-use plastic. They each were packaged in single-use plastic. Mm-hmm. The second problem was they're filled with additives and preservatives. And the problem with that is a lot of the additives and preservatives are actually acidic because the point is to kill microorganisms, right? Right. Which is a good idea. But the problem with acidic products on your teeth is it causes erosion of your teeth and that mm-hmm. can cause cavities, right? So the ideal... And tell us, sorry to cut you off, but tell us about why having wipes for your teeth is important, especially for a child. Or right. A okay. So when I was doing my hospital dentistry work, um, we saw a lot of babies that had cavities, especially in their upper front teeth. And a lot of that was from drinking juices in the bottles. There is some sugar in breast milk. 
many babies who have cavities of their front teeth. Mm-hmm. And usually it's diet related, nursing related, for whatever reason, anything that they're consuming, usually unless it's water, causes um, erosion or decay of the teeth. Mm-hmm. So it's so important because their enamel is very soft. So it's so important to constantly give them water and wipe off their teeth because mm-hmm. they get their teeth as early as six months old. Well, it can be even earlier than that, mm-hmm. but that's the normal age. And it's so it's so easy for them to get little cavities in their teeth. And if they're close together in tight contacts, they get little cavities between their teeth because the plaque gets trapped between there. Mm-hmm. So it's important to floss them as well. I knew for my child... I needed something to wipe off his teeth that wasn't yeah. filled with all these chemicals. And I wanted something that was clean and plastic free. So I started looking into gauze and I realized that all the gauze that we use in our practice has a lot of plastic in it. It's you not, just wouldn't think of. it's not biodegradable. Yeah. So I started ordering biodegradable gauze. <laughs> then I added some different things. I added some coconut oil to it to coconut oil is actually a natural antibacterial. Mm. It's great for your mouth. And I started using that to wipe his teeth off. And some of the other parent friends of mine wanted some of them. So I started making them for more of my friends too. So we all had something to wipe their teeth off. And just that simple act of after giving the baby a little bit to eat or drink that's not water, just that act of wiping off the teeth makes mm-hmm. such a big difference because it wipes off all that plaque, all that sugar, all the acids from juices. Most juices are very acidic. If you take a pH strip and put it in juice, it's usually acidic. Mm-hmm. And all of that will erode the teeth over time. Mm-hmm. So babies with a baby bottle with juice in it or drinking those juice boxes, even if it's like a healthy juice box, usually there's some um, acidic content in it, like apple or something. Before kids lose their baby teeth, if those baby teeth they have are getting cavities and rotting, is that impacting their overall gum health and the teeth coming in behind? Oh, definitely. If they're, if left untreated. Mm-hmm. If left untreated, that's why they say first dental visit by one year old, by first birthday. Yeah, you can you can die from a tooth infection. Mm-hmm. Your teeth are connected to your body. And I think people forget this, but your teeth are alive. There's blood vessels, there's nerves in your teeth. Your teeth are very vital, which is another point I wanted to make is it's so important to keep your natural virgin teeth. I know there's a craze for doing veneers and all of this dental work to have a perfect looking smile. And there is nothing better than your own virgin teeth. I say to my patients, if you didn't like your hands, would you cut off your fingers and put on a prosthetic finger so that you have nicer fingers or nicer fingernails? No, we wouldn't. And with teeth, when you cut into the teeth, it causes damage to the tooth structure Mm -hmm. and that's gone forever. And it sometimes does well. But I'll say in the hospital, these elderly patients I saw, their virgin original teeth were far healthier than any tooth that had dental work on it. Wow. And there's a there's a place for dental work. I understand right. that. And I understand cosmetic dentistry. But if there's other ways to um, more conservatively get the image that you want with orthodontics, moving the teeth, nanohydroxyapatite, which I'll get into, is actually a natural whitener of teeth. You know, if you can get to that without cutting the teeth, maybe bonding to the teeth or doing something else, it's so much better for the health of your mouth and your entire body because all of that blood in your teeth, the blood supply in your teeth and your gums and everything, 
that's circulating through your whole body. So if you're using toothpaste, most toothpaste sit on a shelf and they have a shelf life, but there's a lot of additives and everything to preserve that shelf life, right? All of those chemicals are entering into your bloodstream. When you're brushing, you're brushing your teeth, you're brushing your gums. That's such a fast absorption. Like Mm -hmm. if you take medicine and you put it sublingual, it's because it has such a fast absorption through the mucosa. So I think it's so important to think about with toothpaste or whatever you're using in your mouth, your mucosa is very susceptible to anything that's absorbing. absorbing. You just, I think it's so important to put clean things in your mouth because we shop at the farmer's market and we eat, like you told me, right? Right. We eat fresh produce and we're so cognizant of fresh, clean food, but toothpaste is so much closer to our bloodstream than we realize because we're actually scrubbing it in to our mucosa. Yeah. So, and you mentioned the cutting of teeth and that's specifically connected to veneers, correct? So whenever, I mean, sometimes you can use lasers and other things, but it will only get you so far. Usually you have to use our dental drill Mm. to be able to cut out a cavity Mm. or put on a crown or cut a veneer. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, if you think of at the salon, they do fake nails You know how they glue a nail on your teeth, on your, on your nails (laughs) Yeah. Um, with teeth. In most cases, there's not enough space. It would just bulk out your smile so much. So we usually cut the teeth back to make space to put that veneer Veneer on. on. Right. And then you're exposing that tooth underneath. Right. Well, you're cutting away enamel that you'll never get back. Mm -hmm. That is enamel is mostly hydroxyapatite, which is what your bones made of. Your dentin has hydroxyapatite that, um, is what your body is made of. Mm. And once you cut it and replace it with porcelain, you can never get it back. And I'm not saying there's no place for veneers. It's kind of like the fluoride debate, right? I'm not Mm. saying there's no place for fluoride, but when we can use something that's more natural, more biocompatible, keep our virgin teeth, use biocompatible hydroxyapatite, use products that are more analogous to what is in our body that's biomimetic. Mm. I think it's so important because you also create a margin of a reservoir for bacteria because whenever you glue something onto your teeth there's always bacteria that accumulates right at that junction at the margin Mm -hmm. so kind of like um if you put a picture on a wall or drill something onto the wall the dust always collects around those margins right Mm -hmm. so you can think of that as the bacteria load so the more stuff you have that's artificial in your mouth the more chance you have of more bacterial invasion. That makes sense. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Keeping your virgin teeth. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. If you can preserve, like for the babies, the swipes that we have, just wiping off the teeth, keeping those teeth clean, not putting the baby through any trauma. Doing dentistry that's on babies really, is yeah. very traumatic. That's a really good point. I didn't even I mean try to try to paint nails of wow. a toddler. Yeah. That's not even that hard, but it's still challenging, right? Mm-hmm. Try using a drill on their teeth. Ugh. You know, it's not yeah. safe a lot of times. So that's where the sedation comes in. And that's why we have such great pediatric dentists. But I think it's so important to avoid those things. And it's mm-hmm. usually quite simple. Diet, habits, hygiene. Um, brushing, flossing. Um, the swipes are great because you can keep them in the car. I keep them in my purse. I just always have them on me. So if anybody drinks like wine or tea or coffee, those stains will eventually stain your enamel and getting that acidity off of your teeth and the, the pigments off of your teeth 
will help you keep your teeth white and clean and also keep the kids away from needing dental work long-term. It's just such a simple concept, but it's so important. When your son was born is when you really, oh no, you were already making your own toothpaste, but then you really kind of focused in on it when your son was born. Yeah. So the swipes came about when my son was born. Gotcha. Because I needed something to clean his teeth with on the go. Yeah. And it's really funny. Like I have a lot of customers that come up to me at the Wailea market and they'll buy them for themselves, but not for their child. (laughs) And so it's funny because I feel like people are more interested in using them for themselves because Mm -hmm. it does keep our teeth white and clean and everything. They're infused with coconut oil, nano hydroxyapatite, and that's the coconut jalapeno ones. And the peppermint ones have peppermint oil also. So it feels so good in your mouth. Yeah. But it's funny because the reason I started it was for children. And I don't think a lot of parents aren't sold on this concept yet. Like mm-hmm. I asked my mom, like, did you brush and floss for me? She goes, no, I just figured they'd fall out. And oh, so right. it's funny because she brushed them and everything, but she wasn't adamant about us brushing and flossing at six months old you know as we got older yes right but i think this concept of oh we don't have to worry about baby teeth they'll just fall out but the kids if they have cavities they're in pain yeah they might not be as happy they might be in pain at school um and then it can get infective if infected if it's left untreated so um it's so easy to prevent cavities just that simple little string going between the teeth and our swipes you know just swiping off the teeth keeping it clean is so important and the toothpaste so the aloha paste came about a long time ago probably 15 years of research you know i've been researching and researching it over the years for no there was no ultimate goal except to make the best cleanest toothpaste for myself and my family yeah. that was kind of my plan and when i got more serious about it was when one of my friends was using it and she said this is amazing i want to order like a hundred of them i want to use this forever and you need to start selling this because you're doing a disgrace a disservice to the community by not putting it out there i said i have a baby i'm a single parent like how am i going to start selling toothpaste now and i thought well actually maybe that's the coolest thing i can do because i can make it together with my child so yeah i started getting more serious about it getting the formula down every time i'd be visiting my parents in california i'd have a list of ten thousand questions for my dad Uh and finally after like a few hours he'd say sonia you're giving me a headache like please stop and then my mom would say beta like stop asking him questions like can you email them to him And so then I'd start emailing them or trying to text him. But I had 50 questions for him because he's a, he's brilliant. His IQ is off the chart. So getting yeah. into my dad's brain is such a gift for me. So yeah. I would email him like 100 questions and he'd answer one. So I'd have, to, <laughs> I'd have to chase him down at dinner and try to get these questions answered before he got a headache from all of my questions. But you knew and, like the one answer you got was like solid because he had probably like researched it and put everything into answering exactly. that one question exactly he's really i mean it takes him a long time to get an answer he does he operates at a much slower speed than i do my mom is more like me or she's going 100 miles a minute and i remember i said well dad i need to how do i make this without plastic without a Mm. tube and he said well you can't and i said why can't i he said well everybody wants toothpaste in a tube Nobody's going to want to buy toothpaste in a glass jar. And I said, well, that's besides the point. I mean, I just want to know what's the best 
what's the best chemical composition of something to use? Is there some kind of tube that doesn't have plastic that I can use? And like this concept doesn't even, uh, he doesn't understand. He's yeah. like, why wouldn't you want it? He worked at DuPont. He's like, why wouldn't you want to use plastic? Yeah. And so then he started understanding, you know, it's better to not to avoid single use plastic and um, avoid toothpaste tubes and all of that. But it was really funny because his first reaction is, no, you just can't do that. And it wasn't because it wasn't chemically an option, but it's because nobody would buy it. I said, I'm not asking your, your business opinion. I'm asking for your chemical chemistry advice. And so my mom's like, Oh, beta, just do it. Just do it. People will love it. Don't worry. So she, I would get like burnt out from my dad, like saying that it's not possible. And then my mom would come and say, just do it. Keep going, you know, keep going with it. You're going to do something great. So then, yeah, my dad helped me with the chemistry. Oh my goodness. I mean, we at home I had, and in my dental office, I had all these beakers of solutions and scales and I still have, you know, I'm still working on the perfect formula because I always ask my patients and my clients for feedback on how I can improve. But I mean, we went through so many iterations and iterations and, um, which this is what I find really fascinating because I, if I think of natural toothpaste, I think of what somebody like me might do, which is Google how to make my own toothpaste, baking soda, uh, I don't know, a natural oil or, you know, whatever, yeah. mix it up and you have- Which is a, great because it's alkaline. Yeah, yeah. You have a week's worth of natural toothpaste that you made at home. So that's like what I think of. And I don't think about there being additional science behind it that's then going to help if I already am developing a cavity or I'm trying to whiten my teeth or more preventative, I guess. Uh, Yes. And that's that's what I find fascinating is the chemistry that you're doing to make this really potent. Yes. And that's the hardest part. I mean, you can give somebody a recipe, but it's still so complicated. I remember somebody said, is anyone helping you like formulating and everything? I said, just my dad. Like I don't, I can't have, I have to make every batch myself because we have to weigh everything, measure everything. It's so precise because if it's not, it just throws off the chemistry because the main thing is you want to keep it biocompatible. That was a non-negotiable for me. Um, and nanohydroxyapatite is biocompatible. I wanted it plastic free. So mm-hmm. it's in a glass jar now and I avoided the plastic. Um, I wanted to keep it alkaline. That's a challenge because the more additives you add, preservatives and all of that, it lowers the pH. So I was constantly doing like pH testing and using the strips to test what my pH level was at. And I wanted it pH 10 or higher because that's as, you know, very high alkalinity, which is better for preventing acid attack, mm-hmm. which is what causes the cavities. Um, but then you get down to the science of mixing all this stuff together, a little bit of something changes the chemistry of everything or adding one new ingredient changes the chemistry of everything and how it works. And what I learned from my mom is less is more, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a minimalist in life too. I just don't like having a lot of belongings, everything in my life. I like keeping it simple. And especially in the toothpaste, our toothpaste only has five or six ingredients, depending on which flavor it is. And it's all biocompatible, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. And the nanohydroxyapatite is really important because I started out wanting to do a powder. And what I realized is the powder version of nanohydroxyapatite, the molecules are super big. 
So the way that nanohydroxyapatite works is um, you have these tubules in every tooth. Your tooth is totally alive, right? Has okay. blood vessels, nerves, supply everything. And there's these tubules that communicate with your body that causes pain when you have a cavity or erosion or bone loss or anything like that. And when this other layer of the tooth is exposed under the enamel called the dentin, that's when it's more painful because those tubules are exposed. You have mm -hmm. all these like millions of little tubules in the teeth. So the amazing part of nanohydroxyapatite is in the right size, our nanohydroxyapatite is 10 to 30 nanometers, which okay. is small enough to fit in these tubules and plug them all up. And it causes like a matrix over, a matrix of crystals over that area that's wow. analogous to what our bone and enamel is made of. So when you write out the chemical formula of nanohydroxyapatite, there's an OH ion at the end. So when you put fluoride into your teeth, it takes that OH, it replaces that OH ion with an F for fluoride, right? Okay. And so that makes fluorapatite, which is not biocompatible. That's why in a lot of um, toothpaste tubes, it has um, a warning label, please call poison control if swallowed because it can be toxic. Mm. So I, I really wanted to avoid that, especially using it on my child. I'm not anti-fluoride, but I wanted to avoid the, um, the need for it because yeah. I know that my child has a good diet. He drinks a lot of water. We don't eat a lot of sticky sweets and things like that. Yeah. So back to the, the chemistry of it, that, um, OH ion gets replaced with an F when it's fluoride, but when it's hydroxyapatite, nanohydroxyapatite, it's the same chemical equation of what our bones and teeth are made of. Wow. I okay. hope that makes sense. Yeah. So when you have sensitivity or exposure to of these tubules or cavity or anything like that, the nanohydroxyapatite at that smallest level can go in there and plug it up. So the powder form, if you think about like concentric circles, nanohydroxyapatite is 30 to 50 nanometers, right? Our dentinal tubules are 1,000 to 3,000 nanometers. So all those tiny nanohydroxyapatite particles can fit into the tubules. Okay. But the powder form of nanohydroxyapatite is 3,000 to 5,000 nanometers. Uh. So it's, it's not as small to be able to fit into the tubules to really have a profound impact. That's what I think when people see that word is what they don't realize is there's a lot of different forms of it. How mm -hmm. is it made? What is the size? The most important part is what is the size and what is the percentage of it in the formula? And then calcium carbonate, that's another ingredient with, that we use. That's great because calcium, when you have acid attack or a cavity or anything, that calcium from the teeth is being drawn out of the teeth, calcium and phosphate. And what nanohydroxyapatite does is it puts the calcium and phosphate back in the tooth. Mm -hmm. And that's what causes that like shield. And it tends to be whiter, which is yeah. great because it whitens the teeth because, I mean, we don't market it really as a whitening agent because it is not a bleaching agent, but it does whiten the teeth because mm. when it forms hydroxyapatite in that crystalline structure, it tends to be whiter. Yeah. And then erythritol we use because it's an antibacterial like xylitol and it's safer for animals. Mm. So xylitol is very dangerous for animals. And that was the other thing I want, plastic-free, biodegradable, and safe for animals. We have the coconut halpia version that's as safe as it can get for animals and for children. 
And then you had to overcome the challenge or find a solution to not using a plastic tube and using a glass jar instead. Does that change the chemical composition or what ingredients you include to make it more compatible to being in a glass bottle versus maybe a plastic lined tube? Oh, yes. That's a very good question. (laughs) That was another big thing. I didn't want glycerin just because there's no therapeutic effect of glycerin. And if you look at most tubes of toothpaste, the first ingredient is glycerin, which means that tube is largely a tube of glycerin with a little bit of other stuff in it. Um, And I just wanted to avoid that ingredient because that's what every tube on the shelf has in it. And usually that's what most toothpaste are, glycerin and a lot of additives and some fluoride. And so when you really um, dissect the chemistry of a tube of toothpaste, I remember thinking like, what's really in it that we really need? Like the fluoride, yes, it does work. So I understand that. But is there a way that we could even use those without these plastic tubes, without all these additives and fillers and everything else? You know, just getting to that basic science of it and Mm -hmm. getting rid of all of the noise was my goal. And so having it in a glass jar also, you know, plastic, if it gets hot or anything leaking or anything like that, Who knows what's happening to the chemistry if it's in a plastic tube. Um, But glass preserves that. I think it's just cleaner. Mm -hmm. And it's so clean for the environment. I mean, there's like a billion tubes thrown out every day. Yeah. And maybe not every day, every year. I don't have have (laughs) the numbers, but it's, it's a lot of plastic. Yeah. The swipes are great because... I mean, I use it as a toothbrush. I don't market it like that right. because I don't want to tell people to stop brushing their teeth, <laughs> right. but I literally wrap it around my finger. And if I'm on the go or at home, I just brush my teeth with it. Mm-hmm. And I, br- as long as you're brushing and flossing, I get off all my plaque. I keep my teeth white. I keep everything clean. Yeah. Um, Cause I was trying, I was originally thinking, can I use a stick somehow or incorporate what my parents used and everything? And it was just too complicated. And I, I'm just really excited that I've getting on the road to eliminating most of the plastic in my oral hygiene routine. Um, it's slowly infiltrating other parts of my life. I'm trying to, but yeah. Where did your desire to make it plastic free come from, from more of a health perspective or, I mean, we live obviously here in the ocean where plastic is on our minds a lot because we're talking about it a lot on the islands because it directly affects our sea life here and our coral and it's maybe more on our mind than someone living in Kansas where they're not seeing plastic in the ocean. Was it It that or more health? Um, ocean. Mm -hmm. I snorkel, I paddle, I surf. Like I just love the ocean and just reading more and more over the years, seeing like that plastic Island. And I remember even my friend telling me when I had my baby, that that diaper will outlive my baby. And I just wanted to cry. So I started doing like cloth diapers or I just kept diapers off. I'd let him run naked, let him go commando. It potty trained him faster than anything else. So I think also having a child because there's so much single use plastic in raising a child, right? Mm -hmm. So the more that I can eliminate that, the better off I, I feel. And also in our practice, in our dental practice. Mm. Oh my goodness. It is all, it's like all single-use plastic. Yeah. So I think that's another new mission of mine that I never really thought about when I went to dental school. But I really want to just encourage people to think about, are there other ways to 
you do dentistry without so much single use plastic. Like for example, you can autoclave and sterilize our water tips. You know, that little like water gun we have. Mm -hmm. There's so many dentists that just use plastic tips. Yeah. So it's easier. You use it and you throw it away, use it and throw it away. And I was like, why do we use that? You know, also it's cleaner to have something sterile as the air water syringe, right? Right. So when you put it in, it's cleaner, it's sterile, and you're not throwing it away. You're not contributing to the landfill. Right. So, I mean, there's so many other things in our office that it's very difficult to be a plastic-free dentist. I'm nowhere near that. But I think it would just be amazing the closer and closer we can get to that. You mentioned a friend encouraging you to turn this into a business, So when you made that decision to go into business, what were some of the challenges that you kind of had to overcome (laughs) to do it as a business besides the, the chemistry and the formula, which will always be something you're working on? Oh my gosh. How, how many hours do we have? (laughs) I mean, it's still a work in progress. It's so new still, right? Like Mm -hmm. the first thing was to file the patent. And I was really conflicted about that because I just said, oh, I want to share my recipe with the world. But at the same time, you know, it took 15 years of research and like many years of like intense study on my own with my father, just trying to understand all of this chemistry. Yeah, I just I felt I feel really good about that now. So getting it out there, I, I think my biggest thing was like, how how do you introduce this concept? Who It's like mm-hmm. toothpaste in a jar. It's just such a foreign idea. And I guess, you know, there are some others out there, but in general, it's a pretty foreign concept. Yeah. And so um, a friend said, just go to the farmer's market. So I called up a friend. I said, hey, I saw you at the farmer's market. I was always a customer there, just buying all kinds of stuff. And I love going to the farmer's market. Yeah. And... He said, yeah, you should do it. Come, I'll introduce you to the guy who runs the market. And I said, okay. He said, you just need a banner. I said, I need a banner? <laughs> so then I started like getting into design and graphics. And I've kind of been into like, I am Indian. like I like tech. Uh-huh. So I kind of designed a website, designed some graphics, got a little help. But um, I just was very um, intimidated by making a banner. And he said, <laughs> just make anything. I said, well, will you preview it and look at it before I print it? He said, yeah. And so I made something, you know, and I sent it to him. I said, is this okay? He's like, yeah, it's totally fine. I said, did you even look at it? (laughs) So I brought it to the farmer's market and put up my banner and brought my products, which have changed a lot from that first day, almost a year ago now. You know, it's still so small compared to all these global brands like Colgate and everything. But I have really big dreams. And Mm -hmm. um, I just every day I'm just reading about nanohydroxyapatite, reading about chemistry, reading about better ways to do everything. So it's just a constant work in progress. And I feel like it's I'm just so passionate about it. And Mm -hmm. this is really going to be well, I, I think is going to be my legacy where I feel good about it. Oh, and the most important part of it, I totally forgot, was I did it with my child. Yeah. So he would glove up, put his mask on, put his goggles on. He wanted to be a part of everything. That's and so, so he fun. learned chemistry. You know, yeah. we measured together. We 
weighed everything together on the scales. We mixed together. We tested together. We made prototypes together. Like he was a part of everything, you know, from the design work for the graphics and everything to the chemistry and making the products. And, and he still is, you know, and um, how old is he now? If you don't mind he's me. four and a half. Oh, yay. he's so cute. And he loves it. He That's loves awesome. it. And he said, mommy, can I, can I use my swipe today to break it? And he's just, He's so cute. We're on the go. He'll want like a little piece of chocolate or something. I'm pretty anti-sugar and sticky foods, but every now and then he gets his chocolate. He goes, mommy, I promise I'll swipe my teeth after. <laughs> so it's so cute. And so, and he comes to the market and he knows the product so well because he's been around it yeah. for so long. He can actually, he's pretty well versed on nanohydroxyapatite <laughs> on how so to use great. it. So when I start telling um, customers about how to use the swipes or use the product, he says, mommy, you forgot to tell them to chew on it after because by chewing on it, it extracts all the nanohydroxyapatite, the essential oils, and it cleans the insides of the teeth. Oh, wow. So without chewing on it, you're not cleaning those insides, the pits of the teeth and those little crevices in the pits of our teeth. That's where a lot of times we get cavities, especially young kids and babies and stuff And those little pits, like all the sugars just gather right there. So chewing on it just cleans all of those um, surfaces. It's called the occlusal surfaces. And so it's funny. You'll say, mommy, you forgot, you forgot to tell (laughs) us, you know, all these little things. It's really, it's so sweet. So great. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned kind of earlier, so maybe this sort of answers a question, but as a dentist or now as a creator of, a, of this new product, what do you feel like is your responsibility to the community or in the community? Responsibility. So I feel like when my friend had, she sat me down and had that talk with me, like you're doing a disservice to the community by not sharing mm-hmm. this concept, this idea, educating um, I think that hit me really hard because I thought of back when I had canker sores and I wish somebody would have educated me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I feel a social responsibility, whether or not I'm selling any products just to educate. I had, I just did an Instagram video. I had one of my dear close friends call me in tears because her veneer fell off. And then mm-hmm. she saw her little tooth, like half her tooth was gone, right? Cause they have to cut it down to put the veneer on. And she said, Sonia, I told him not to cut my teeth. I didn't want to cut my teeth cause you had told me not to cut my teeth and my tooth is gone. And she was so sad and she can never get her tooth back. Right. And you know, veneers do fall off. So I'm not anti veneers, but if you don't need it, don't do it. So mm-hmm. I think my mission right now for our community is just education. Like the more we do dentistry, usually the worse off you are, unless you, I should say the more we do elective dentistry, Mm -hmm. that's not necessary. Usually the worse off you are, the more you use, um, any products, food, anything packaged with tons of additives, usually the worse off you are Yeah, like really thinking about, our mouth as part of our body. Our mouth is not disconnected from our body. Our teeth are not. They're all communicating with our entire body, with our heart, especially. So anything that's going in our mouth, especially being scrubbed into our mouth is going into our bloodstream. I think that's, that's my biggest goal right now is just trying to get that information out there. And then also presenting what I'm really proud of with, um, just my products that are more prevention based. And I'm really happy that I went to UCSF because it's such a prevention based school Our education, everything was 
So like we had no classes on business. I had no idea how to run a business Yeah, that I learned later. And I'm kind of grateful for it because we were very focused on academics and how to do things in a preventative way. So yeah. I'm really grateful for that. And my family upbringing, you know, just being more um, health conscious and natural focused. What's so. your vision for Aloha Bright in the next couple of years? I love going to the markets because I get to directly talk to people. I wish I could clone myself and go to every market, you know, one of the guys at the markets. I mean, the markets are, it's my family now. That's like our Ohana. They know my child. They know Mm -hmm. us. We just, it's like a community of all these amazing creators. And I never would have really talked to them as much as, as in depth before understood all the processes that they go through to make their amazing products. Like all of their products are so cool. I love that you brought that up because that's part of this podcast is getting to know the people that make the stuff that we eat or wear or brush our teeth with or whatever it may be and make that connection again of there's a face behind, there's a person behind the product that I'm consuming and they have a story and they have a why to what they do. And we kind of take that for granted when we are just buying from an Amazon or from a Walmart and we don't know where our product comes from or how it's made. Right. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, it's so great meeting these creators. They're so amazing. You know, I'm usually in my medical dental world hanging out with all my doctor friends or at the hospital. And so it's just this whole whole other world you know with like chad makes those amazing elixirs and amy makes all those hand creams and lotions and things and like the other ladies are making amazing food and um face masks Mm -hmm. type stuff you know just all natural it's just really cool but i see myself continuing that because i like being like very face to face um the online i think is probably growing faster Mm -hmm. you know we have just i I don't even know how. I think it's mostly word of mouth, but we're shipping um, to Switzerland. We have some dentists in Switzerland that are using our products and um, sharing them with their patients and to Canada and other so many states across the U.S. And um, I think that is just so cool, like the global reach. And that mm-hmm. I think the greatest honor is because I have so much respect for Swiss products. You know, they're made very well, right? Like yeah. we always know the Swiss Army knives, just anything Swiss and German. And I actually would travel there just to learn about their dental products, like the oh, Swiss wow. and German dental products. I love yeah. learning the chemistry behind all of their products and how they're made just very clean and with precision. And so I think that has been such a great honor to have um like my Swiss clients. Yeah. It feels really great. Yeah. So I, I mean, I hope I could just keep growing it for two years. I think next two years just keep growing it wherever it goes. I'm so happy because the journey, it's just mm-hmm. the journey has been really, really fun and rewarding, especially having my child as a part of it. It's just, it's so cool. Cause you know, there's so much to do. There's so much dentistry to do in the world. Yeah. You can do dentistry. You're I have the best job security. We have Halloween, we have Christmas, we have all of these, like every single holiday revolves around cakes and sugars and sticky candies, you know? And I'm like the nut that's giving out like xylitol pops and toothbrushes and everything. But I'm going, oh my goodness, I can't even watch this happen, right? But my job security is, you know, you can be a dentist forever. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's so sad. My, My dream, my ultimate dream is to be out of work. 
Like nobody needs us for, you know, like cavities or anything like that. I think that would be so, so cool if people just didn't need dentists and took care of their health because there's such a need for dentistry because our diets are just so filled with sugars. Like I just try to find bread. I go to the market and Mm. I try to find bread that doesn't have sugar in it. Right. And I cannot find bread. So then I start making my own bread, (laughs) making my own tortillas and everything. Yeah, I think just getting back to that concept of, and I think we are, you know, even at Mm -hmm. Costco, I see a lot of cleaner products being sold, you know, or a lot of um, more health conscious products, which I'm really excited about just being vegetarian and all of that. There's, and I think we spoke about this a little bit, but there's almost like a retraining of our brains and habits that we have to do because it is so easy to just walk into even a CVS or any corner store and grab a tooth, a tube of toothpaste. It's just, it's been marketed to us for so long that it's just our, our go-to reflex. You know, it's really funny you say that. Cause I remember I met this lady at the farmer's market. I just started cracking up because she goes, gosh, I love your toothpaste so much, but she was holding a giant bag of fresh produce, right? Like fresh kale, fresh spinach, fresh everything. She goes, but I just bought like a 10 pack at Costco. And I was like, what? Like you are buying all this fresh produce that does go into your mouth. It goes down your digestive tract. But the toothpaste that you use, you're not like, have you looked at the ingredients of what's going into your mouth? Right. I'm not saying toothpaste is evil. It's nothing against toothpaste. But I mean, if you're trying to be super health conscious Mm -hmm. and really interested in what you're putting into your body. Like start with your mouth, (laughs) you know, start with your mouth, start with what's going into your bloodstream Mm -hmm. and then like work backwards from there. But I just thought that was so funny. Like I get all my fresh produce, but I bought my 10 pack of toothpaste from Costco. (laughs) It really helped me understand what you're saying, Mm -hmm. how people think, you know, they're just, it's like people not understanding that dentistry is medicine. Mm, You know, like I tell patients, I tell friends, yes, as a dentist at the VA hospital, I was constantly called for um, consults for cardiology and for other specialties because they need clearance from the dentist to do surgery because any infection in the mouth can travel through the body. Yes. And people are like, what? I said, yeah. yes, your teeth are connected to your body. You know, every, any infection in your mouth, gum disease, like people have so, there's so much gum disease or mm-hmm. people don't want to floss. Right. And I'm going, well, do you clean your butt after you go to the bathroom? Because the equivalent of not flossing is kind of like never washing your hands and never wiping after you go number two. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just all that plaque and all that stuff that sits between your teeth forever. It's disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And your body reacts to that. Your gums get red, they get inflamed. And all of that plaque and bacteria, it's sitting in your gums, which are pink because it's vascular. Yeah. Right. And it's going back to your heart. It's traveling through your body. I think that's that's almost the most important like nugget of information you brought today because there is so there are so many different health issues happening in our world connected to like inflammation and things like that and yeah is it connected to what you eat yes but what else is getting into your bloodstream and then how is that affecting the rest of your body and if you have that stuff just sitting in your mouth it's it's going somewhere and it's going into your bloodstream and it's circulating throughout your body. And so you don't hear much about going, well, uh, try eliminating toothpaste or try eliminating 
you know, whatever it may be that you're putting into your mouth, or let's look at your teeth health and see if by getting your mouth clean and healthy, does something else in your body clear up because right. it's not inflamed anymore. And I, it is, why would it be something we yeah. think about it? You're making me think of a story. I, <laughs> I saw an elderly patient. This was years ago. So no HIPAA violation. They couldn't figure out why they stopped eating and the patient wasn't eating and they thought, okay, I guess it's failure to thrive or we call it quits almost like he's in so much pain. He doesn't want to live anymore. And so somebody said, oh, why don't we get a dental consult? And, you know, I was doing hospital dentistry at the time. So I went in and saw the patient and I said, it's because his teeth hurt. He's in pain. He has abscesses. He has cavities everywhere. His mouth is a mess and he's in pain. And they had said, yeah, he starts like punching the nurses when they try to like brush his teeth or feet or anything like that. I said, let's get his oral health back in order. And so we took him to the operating room did his full mouth rehab, got him to health again. And he started eating again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They started eating again. And it was like, I remember me and his wife were like in tears and everything. Just, it was just so exciting because they had, they pretty much said, okay, we're, there's nothing else we can do. Yeah. And so, um, it's exactly Mm. what you're saying. I think the mouth is like not thought of as a portal of entry for many things, even though it's like the portal of entry for everything. Everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If you could leave our listeners with, uh, one last thought today, what would you like to make sure that all our listeners take away from our conversation today? Less is more, less ingredients in things that you're eating, consuming, using less elective procedures, Mm. including dentistry, um, and more focus on understanding everything that's going into the body, starting with reading the labels, mm. read the labels of anything and everything you consume, including your clothing. Yeah. There's a lot of plastic in clothing. Mm-hmm. So prevent and prevention. That would be the last one. Yeah. Just think about prevention instead of treatment. And our listeners can buy your Aloha paste and the swipes on your website, correct? Yes. And I'll make sure I link to that in the show notes so people can click right to it. Well, thank you so much for being a part of Conversation Mill today and bringing the science and the stuff that we really do not think about that often. I know I learned so much from you over the two conversations (laughs) I've had, and I I think our listeners will too. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rebecca. That means so much to me. It's been an honor. Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing, but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish, while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com, 
where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week. And as always, thank you for your support.